Mark Mosey. Good afternoon and welcome. Welcome indeed to our number two of the Mark Mosey Show. All right, let's go to Orlando and let's talk some Orlando Magic basketball. This guy does a great job with Orlando Magic Daily. He's my good friend, Philip Rostenreich. Philip, how you doing today, buddy? I am, I'm doing good. I'm rested. I'm relaxed. I'm ready for the sprint to the finish here. You're absolutely right. The all-star game was Sunday. My favorite part, the Magic had a player in the game that they drafted and developed. How excited are you for Paolo where he finally got that first all-star nod over the weekend? Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously very, very excited for him. And I, I know there was a lot of talk about the all-star game, but, but I know I was, I was watching it and just just feeling a lot of joy, just thinking about what that moment must have felt like for him. I mean, I think you see this guy on the floor doing doing the incredible things that he's doing, and you forget that he's a 21 year old kid. Like he's, you know, he he he. I think he mentioned it. Like he grew up idolizing LeBron James. You know, these are guys that he watched watched while he was growing up. I mean, it wasn't so long ago that he was a high schooler dreaming of being in the NBA, and now. You know, he's on the court with them, not only as, you know, not only as someone who looked up to these guys before, but now as a peer and, and someone who's kind of getting into that in-group of, of those players. I, I was, I was just over, overcome with joy for him and, and what that must be like for him. And, you know, hopefully that leaves a hunger for him to, to get back and, and do this again. Wait a minute. Was he born when LeBron made the NBA? <laughs> Is that right? He was, he was, he was, I think they said he was three when LeBron made his first all-star team. <laughs> That's insane, dude. That is. How how big of a moment is that for the Magic organization to have an all-star there at the game? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it legitimizes what they've done. You know, I think, I think a lot of us know that Paolo's put up all-star worthy numbers, but, you know, the coaches reward teams that win. And, you know, you look at the decisions that they made with their, with their all-star reserves, Trey Young was brought in as a replacement. You know, Scotty Barnes, who a lot of a lot of the stat heads especially believe should have been an all-star anyway, he had to be brought in as a replacement player because the Raptors record isn't good, the Hawks record isn't good. The coaches rewarded winning. And, and so, yes, Paolo deserved to be an all-star on the merits, but being on a team that is 30 and 25, that has been in the playoff race this entire season leading up to the all-star break. That is what got him in there. So as much as it is an individual recognition for what Paolo's done, it's also a recognition that the Magic are pretty good. And, and it's a sign that, yes, that everyone understands this team, it, you know, maybe isn't a championship contender yet, but has arrived as a playoff contender. When I saw some of the highlights of that game, Philip, I think you could have scored 35 points in that game. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it's an all-star game. We know they're not going to play defense. We know they're not going to, you know, they're not going to give a second effort. You know, I, I think honestly, like, that's probably what people want to see from the All-Star game more is, you know, don't give the second effort. Don't, you know, close out the second time or, or rotate over the second time, but give that first effort. And if there is a place where the, the game needs to change, they need to get those guys to, to give that first effort. But, you know, at the end of the day, I also think that, you know, this league has evolved beyond the need for an All-Star game. And, and, and frankly, the, the style of play in the league sets itself up for games like this because the shooting skill in this league is so good. I mean, Damian Lillard was pulling up from half court. Um, he did that twice. And it's just like, well, like, like no amount of effort's going to change that. You know, if you could get these guys to maybe showcase some of their offense uh, in a little more varied ways other than just, you know, taking 53s in a game, 
I think that would be the way to go go with the game. But asking guys to to put in a ton of effort in a game with no stakes and you know a huge ch- and a pretty sizable chance of injury, I think that's asking a lot. And so I, I think you know you just kind of have to accept it as a celebration of the game and, and not expect anything super competitive. Look, I won't lie to you, Phil Brosson, right? I started looking up games from the 90s and 2000s for the All-Star game, and they were competing out there somewhat compared to this. Yeah, yeah, but, but like, I, I, I'll push back on that with this. Like, Chase McGrady's still throwing the ball off the backboard and no one's stepping in front of him. Like, it, like, it, like a lot of that is still – there still wasn't much defensive effort in those earlier games. I, I honestly think what's different now mm. is, A, the shooting is so much different. You know, teams didn't take shots, and – you know, back in the 90s and, and early 2000s especially, the style of play was to isolate and, and was to kind of take turn. you know. And so those all-star games, you saw a lot of these fun little one-on-one matches throughout the course of the game because the style of play in the league at the time was, hey, let's give the ball to Allen Iverson, let's give the ball to Tracy McGrady, let's clear out one side of the floor and let them go. And so you could create these little matchups and create these little moments where, you know, Shaq is like, hey, it's my turn, let me take this guy off the dribble. And and you could create those little moments. That's not how the league gets played anymore. You know, what we saw Sunday night, what we've seen in, in all-star games recently is how the game is played. It's about getting out in transition, getting up a lot of three-pointers. You know, the pace, your pace in this league has never been higher than it is now. Uh, and so it doesn't turn into these kind of, I guess, I don't want to say sideshow because I think that's, that's, that's not quite right, but yeah. it doesn't turn into these kind of one-on-one matchups where the defense can kind of set itself up let guys go, let guys go and decide whether they want to challenge or not. It turns into these up and down. Let's, you know, space out the floor with five guys out. So there's no one in the paint to stop you. So when you're not playing defense and there's no one in the paint to stop you, this, this is what you're going to get. That's a great point. Yeah, that is, I'm sorry. That's the best explanation I've heard all day. That was great. But I want those one-on-one challenges. I want we them. Do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and maybe, maybe it just, you know, honestly, like if, if the all-star game needs fixing, maybe the coaches, maybe the players just have to take it upon themselves to say, look, we can't, you know, we want to put an entertaining product out there. Let's not run up and down like, like we have been. Let's not, you know, let's limit ourselves, you know, let's, let's, let's hold ourselves to fewer threes and create more of these moments. You know, and I don't know if you can legislate that in, in because again, that's not how the NBA is played anymore. All right, let's clarify this. So when T-Mac did that off the backboard, remember, they were in transition, and no one knew he was going to do yeah. that. <laughs> no one knew he was going to do it. That's why it was so awesome, dude. It was. Um, I'm I'm very upset at the dunk contest. I'm very upset. I love the dunk. I know you do as well. I don't know what that was, but maybe you could explain it to me. Um, you know, a the best dunker won. Mac McClung yes. was by far the best dunker, and 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 the rightful the rightful winner. Um, you know, I I think we've gotten to a point where uh, I would say two things first. First, I think we've gotten to a point where we need to clarify what they're judging. Um, you know, I think a lot of the controversy from the dunk contest was that Jalen Brown was not the second best dunker, and yet he got some goosed up scores. I think a lot of us disagreed with the. Honestly, I thought Mac McClung's first dunk was his best dunk, and it was his lowest scoring dunk of the of the of the competition. Um, I, I think we just got to clarify. Hey, look, Gary Payton, you're you're judging swag. Dominique, you're judging power. You know, you know, you, you know. You just just give give each judge their own thing that they're judging, and that way we can say, okay, 
he didn't dunk it hard enough to get a 10. You know, I, I think that might be one, one way to fix it. But, you know, I think the other, the other thing that happened throughout the evening, and I hate to just kind of bang on the media a little bit, what? the broadcast was just so flat. And, and, you know, maybe the atmosphere in the building was part of it, and they're playing in a gigantic football stadium, so maybe the, the atmosphere is harder when you don't have, like, one of those all-time great dunk contests to really feed the energy. But, like, they were talking about it all night, how the dunk contest isn't what it used to be. They kind of set themselves up to be disappointed. Like, these are some really athletic dudes doing some really, really crazy things. And, yeah, it may not be revolutionary. We may not have gotten a classic dunk contest. I'm not saying that at all. Most dunk contests are average. And so, honestly, like, this is how I feel about the entire All-Star Weekend a lot of it's just it falls short of expectations that are way too much. Like, everyone expects more from this weekend than they usually get from it. And so I think we need to adjust uh, just what we expect from the weekend a little bit more because we're not going to get a classic every single time. Sometimes you just get average, and maybe average all-star weekend is bad. I need eight guys competing in the dunk contest like it used to be. You gotta I gotta get eight more. guys to do it. That's, that's the that's problem. True. You had to ask two G League guys because not enough guys want to do it. And then again, the dunk contest is really important. I think it is a really great event. I think it's one that NBA should absolutely have at every All-Star weekend, but they've, they've struggled for a long time to get guys to do this thing. You know, credit to Jalen Brown for putting himself out there. I thought he performed well. I didn't think he finished second, but I thought he performed well. But, you know, they gotta find people that want to do this thing. That's a good point. Also, okay, I know Dwight has won it. I don't want to see big men anymore. Enough of it. No, you want to see you gotta have the right. You got to have the right big man. You got to have the right big man. Like there, there is an uber athletic big man out there. You know, like a Blake Griffin. Yeah. You know, like a Zion Williamson who could do this. Who could do it right. And Zion's never done it, which is shocking. Zion's never done it. And John, Mor- hurt. John Morant's never done it, which is shocking. John Morant's never done. No. He said he's wanted. He wants to do it next year, but you know we'll we'll, we'll see where yeah. we'll see where we're at in January. <laughs> it's okay, man. Let's look to the second half. You talked about this magic above five hundred. I told you this at media day. I want the playoffs. Is playoffs in reach this season? I mean, the playoffs are the goal. Like it, honestly, at this point, if the Magic are not playing a seven game series in mid April. You know, this, I don't, I won't call the season a failure, but it will be disappointing. I mean, they're 30 and 25. They're tied for seventh with the Heat. They're half game behind Indiana. They've got the easiest remaining schedule in the league by opponent win percentage. They've got, I think, 17 of their final 27 games at the Kia Center. If, if the Magic do not make the playoffs, and, and honestly, like, I think there's a strong, there's a strong case to say if the Magic don't finish sixth and avoid the play in, there's going to be a, you know, there's going to be some questions that we have to ask about this team. You know, again, I don't want to call the season a failure. They'll be in the seven, eight game at minimum, barring just an absolute collapse, but they should feel we are a playoff team. We, we should be looking at trips to Milwaukee and Boston, if not to New York or, uh, if not to New York or Cleveland, uh, in April, because that's where they're going. Were you disappointed they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline? You know, a, a little bit. Um, you know, I think that there's obviously things they need to shore up, and I, and I think there are there were some things they could have done to, to do so. But I also think that you know, as much as we want to talk about the playoffs this year, making the playoffs is really important for this team. Um, 
this season's not about this season. Like, I don't think they were looking for short-term fix. I don't think they were looking to kind of, you know, you know, change deck chairs on the on the Titanic, so to speak. It, it, you know, trading Gary Harris for a Doug McDermott, which is something I was thinking about a little bit. Does that meaningfully make the team better this year? Not really. Does it make the team better in future years? Not really. And so, to me, I think the Magic, when they're looking at transactions, are still looking at sort of a two to four year window. They're looking at what's 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 how's it going to help this team in their next stage? You know, get out of get to the first round, get out of the first round. And I don't think anything presented itself at the trade deadline that really did more than just shore them up for this year and that's it. You know, they, I think they believe, they knew the schedule that they had coming out of the All-Star break. They knew, they knew what they're capable of when they're healthy, and they, they're healthy now, at least for now. Um, they, they know what they're capable of doing. I think they felt we can make the playoffs with what we have, then we can figure out what we need to get better and get out of the first round heading into next season and beyond. All right, I'll put you on the spot, Philip Rossenreich. What do they need to upgrade if they're going to make a deep playoff run years to come? I mean, I, I, the first the first thing is they need shooting, um, you know, and the second thing is they need shooting. Like they like they're twenty seventh in the league in three point field goal percentage. I think they're twenty eighth or twenty ninth in attempts. They need to make they need to take more and they need to make make more threes. Like that, that, that that's not rocket science. That's that's the way this league is going. And, you know, while I think at Sloan there's going to be a paper that's being presented that suggests that three-pointers are no longer as efficient as they used to be because everyone's taking so many, so maybe the Magic are ahead of the game, uh, taking fewer threes, but they need to make more threes. You just cannot survive in this league, especially when we get to the playoffs when, you know, spacing is going to be at a premium. You cannot survive in this league taking a low volume of threes and being a poor three-point shooting team. You know, Denver is a low-volume three-point shooting team. But they make threes, and so if you can make threes on low volume, great. That's all, that's probably the way you need to be. Um, but you got to be able to, to take and make threes. And the other thing, I think we all see this, and I think we all, I think a lot of Magic fans wanted the team to go ahead and address it at the deadline. They probably need to get an upgraded point guard. You know, it's not that Markel Fultz is a, is a bad guy or, or, or even a bad player. He's just not what the team needs at point guard. You know, they need his ball control, they need his calm, and they need his composure. But they need a point guard that's going to be a threat to score and a threat to shoot. You know, Paolo Bancaro is going to be on the ball a lot. They don't have to have a traditional, you know, bet, bet, you know, bang the ball into the court point guard. But they do need someone. They do need someone that is more of a threat offensively. And they're going to find out in the playoffs when that court gets real tight around Marco, around Markel Fultz, and, and Markel's man is 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 hovering away from him. They're going to find out real hard, real bad, how much they they need some help at that position. All right, they drafted high with Anthony Black. Is he playing in the last couple of weeks, getting actual minutes for this team? Then I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's going to be in the rotation. You know, I think rotations are going to tighten up a little bit here um, as we get close to the playoffs. You know, the Magic are leaning harder on veterans. You know, I think a lot of a lot of fans are wondering why Gary Harris is in. It's because they trust him. They know that he knows what he what he needs to do on the floor. You know, we're starting to see them kind of play around with Cole Anthony's minutes a little bit. We're starting to see the Magic be more attentive to, hey, we've got to win some of these games. And look, I think Anthony Black should be in the rotation. I think he is a winning player. I think his defense helps a lot. I think there's going to be games throughout the course of these final 27 where Black is out of the rotation, but they, they throw him in there. He makes an impact for however long he's out there, five, six, seven minutes, and earns more playing time in that game. I think when we get to the playoffs, they're going to lean on him a lot more than I, than I think people think because his defense is, is very, very good. But it's going to be, but Black's going to have to take advantage of the opportunities when they come. They're not going to be 
so not going to be like readily given. They're not going to be there, uh, you know, kind of in the most obvious ways. But Black is going to have to be ready when his numbers call. All right. How is Jalen Suggs played here going to the All-Star break? You know, I, I think Jalen is hurting a little bit. I think the Magic giving him that last game off, you know, kind of was like a recognition of like, hey, let's give you a couple more days off. Let's, let's get your body right because you're going to be so important to these final 27 games and then whatever games come after, game 83, game 84, and, and, and beyond that. Um, he's, you know, his shot is starting to come back around. You know, I think his effectiveness uh, on the court, you know, obviously he's a great defender, but his effectiveness is dependent on him being able to hit from the outside. And when he is hitting his shot, this Magic team is a vastly different team. It's is a completely different team. They're, they're, I won't say they're good offensively, but they're functioning offensively. Um, he's been really good about understanding when to drive uh, and, and picking his spots to drive and being more of a, of a careful driver and spot-up shooter. Uh, but, you know, they need, they need his offensive production, and, and, and that's going to be a big storyline I think we're going to have to watch the rest of the season, especially as we think about, okay, what do the Magic need to get better? What are they going to need when they get to that playoff series? What's going to reveal itself about this team when they get into that seven-game series and, and teams start to pick them apart a little bit? That. Jalen Suggs is going to be in the crosshairs on that, and it's going to be a big factor in determining what this team's future is. Let's end with this here with Phil Rossenreich, and I appreciate coming on. He's with Orlando Magic Daily. What was it like for last Tuesday when Shaq got his jersey retired? It, it was so, so nice. You know, I, I have to say, I, I thought the Magic did a really good job putting a, a great program together to celebrate you know, probably the most iconic player in their franchise history. And, you know, I've talked to some longtime fans, you know, who were, you know, even somewhat on the fence about retiring Shaq. Cause I think there's a lot of bitter feelings still about the way Shaq left. And, you know, it, it, if there was anything wrong about the evening, it was everyone was just a little bit awkward acknowledging like, hey, Shaq kind of left, left the franchise and it wasn't a friendly departure. It was, no. it was, it was bitter. It was hard. It's something the franchise is frankly, still coming to terms with. But a lot of, a couple of longtime fans, you know, told me like, hey, that was really cathartic. Like, it really felt like that evening was burying the hatchet and, and celebrating the good times. And, you know, I'm a big believer that you, you let bygones be bygones. What happened, happened. Let's celebrate what was good about our time together and celebrate what was good uh, about those moments. Shaq is the most important player in this franchise history. I, I would argue he is probably... Arnold Palmer is probably the most important sports figure in Orlando history. Shaq is probably second. Like he is, he, I think he is one of the, you know, if not, you know, 25, one of the 50 most important people to ever live in Orlando, live in Orlando. And I don't think that's hyperbole. He did a lot to put the city on the map. And so it was really good to see that impact. Really good to see him, you know, choke up and, and really feel the love from Orlando, which, you know, he hasn't always welcomed. He hasn't always invited, but he, you know, now that everyone's a little bit older, everyone's a little bit wiser, I think we understand what kind of impact Shaq made on this franchise. And it was, it was really good to see him honored that way. And it was, it was certainly very well deserved. I love this speech where he really gave recognition to all these people for the Matt, like Nick Anderson. And just, I, did you like that part yeah. as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with Shaq 100%. And I'm very glad that he's in, in my corner with, on the Retire 25 campaign. Um, it's, it, it was great to see him give love back to, to everyone who helped him early in his career. Like we know Shaq became one of the 10 greatest players that, that have ever played this game. You know, we know what he accomplished and obviously he accomplished it elsewhere, but you know, there was definitely a sense of, 
I'm coming home. Like, you know, maybe when I was younger, I didn't appreciate everything about this place. You know, you know, maybe I was too young and naive to do that, but I did not become what I became without what happened here. And Orlando and the magic and, and the city, frankly, did not become what it became without Shaq being here. So it was great to kind of see that mutual recognition of, of importance and great to see the franchise honor him in a way that everyone understands, you know, very clearly now we're all living up to 32's legacy. You know, I think Wendell Carter said that the day, the day before on Monday, on Monday, last Monday, I, I think, you know, we asked him about it and he said, you know, every time I wear this jersey, I, I do think about I'm carrying on a major legacy of centers from Shaq to Dwight to Vooch. Um, you know, I'm carrying on a very important legacy. And, and now that legacy is a, a constant reminder, is a permanent reminder inside the Kia Center Bowl. Should they do that ceremony for Dwight then? hundred percent. No, Dwight, it, it, that's, you know, I've, I've, I've joked with magic people and, and magic people who make these decisions. I've joked like deciding who goes into the hall of fame and, and frankly, even deciding who gets their Jersey retired. It, it's not a question of who it's a question of what order when Dwight Howard retires, they will put him in the Orlando magic hall of fame first. That is the first step in this process. You go into that hall of fame, you get that recognition there. You get maybe like a little test with the crowd to make sure everyone's still okay. Okay with you. Um, and then four or five years later, you come back, you get your jersey retired. Dwight Howard 100% deserves to have number 12 hanging in the rafters. It's, it's just a matter of when he retires and when, and when the Magic feel ready to do it. Um, the fanboy in you, were you getting giddy when Penny and Shaq are standing by each other? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, honestly, yeah. like, honestly when, when they brought out all the, all the former teammates and, and – and it was just like, hey, let's remember some guys. Like, I was giddy about seeing Joe Wolf. I was giddy yeah. about seeing I – was, I was, frankly, a little scared about Tree Rollins being in the wheelchair. You know, I found out, you know, I found out that he had a hip replaced. Yeah. Um, I was happy to see Tree. I was, happy, I was happy to see all those guys. I was so happy to see the cheers that Penny got, especially, you know, when, when Penny gets his jersey retired. And, and it's, that's coming, too. Very clearly that has to be coming with the, with the reception that he got. Um, it's going to be a really special night. And, and so it, it's good to remember that 95 team. It's probably the, it, it, it I, I'm, I don't know if I believe it's the best team in magic history, but a lot of people do believe it's the best magic team in history. It's probably the most important and iconic team oh. in the franchise's history. I'm always down for celebrating that team whenever we get the chance. And, and you know, those, those guys, you know, we're all getting a little older. So it, it's nice to, nice to think back on those days and, and how, how innocent this franchise was back then. Philip, they, they showed a video where Shaq went to magic practice and talked to the guys. And yeah. I, this is for our listeners. Wendell Carter Jr. is a giant. Paulo is super tall. Franz Wagner, all these guys are super tall and they're all shorter than Shaq. Like you, you can't, you can't miss Shaq when he's in the room. Like even, even if he's standing next to Victor Wembanyama, I don't know if you saw that during uh -huh. all-star weekend, like Victor, Victor made Shaq look short. It's, it's crazy. But you always know when Shaq is, is in a room. That's the definition of a true superstar. And, and Shaq, Shaq really is a, is a superstar. And that's why with the dunk contest, when he jumps over Shaq to win it, should that guy, that Matt McGloin, should he be in the Olympics for long jumping? Like what? How high does he jump to get high over jumping, Shaq? Uh, like, I mean, he, he, cleared, he cleared it pretty high there. <laughs> By the way, Philip is not short either, and you look like a hobbit by Shaq. No. I hope you know that. I mean, like, look, look, I've told the Magic a million times, if they ever need a 6'1 center, they know where to find me. But, like, 
Like I, I like I know I know I'm tall. I know I'm a big guy, but I I, I hang out with dudes who are taller than me, so I, I still right. feel very very small and short. <laughs> Philip Rostenreich, my man, thank you so much for your help and have a great day. All right. Thank you very much, Mark.